Welcome to Section 9, where we talk about IT and information security. I'm Damian Hull. And I'm Dorothy. And today we're going to talk about our labs, and we're going to uh, compare them to the uh, Center for Internet Security's uh, Critical Security Controls. But I also want to talk about that uh, Black Hills Information Security uh, presentation about how to put a lab together, because I went back and watched that. And you should take a look at that so you can kind of see how they're putting their labs together, because that was really cool. And before we talk about you know, how our labs um, fit into what we're trying to accomplish, which is what we're going to be doing with the CIS controls, is seeing, you know, are our labs actually useful? Are we going to be able to do something with them? And so I wanted to sort of look at the CIS controls and say, okay, are we doing something that fits with that? Because that was one of our goals from a long time ago where we said we were going to try to implement all six of the controls, which we haven't done that yet. Well, that that's still our goal. It's not a long time ago goal. But... Well, yeah, but but we haven't done that yet. So, uh, but before we do that, I want to talk about the BHIS uh, presentation because that was awesome and that's going to help us with our labs. And if you haven't seen that yet, we talked about that last episode. I put a link in the show notes to that. I will add another one to this episode because they they had some super cool stuff in there. So they talked about uh, hardware recommendations that weren't that expensive. They went into network design. They talked about software. They talked about things like uh, Security Onion, Kali Linux, bunch of other stuff, different tools you can use. Um, they covered pretty much everything. So if you want to put a lab together and you want something a little cheaper than the one we have, you need to take a look at their presentation because they talk about a lot of different things that's uh, that's pretty cool. And also, I remember a long time ago looking at their uh, website and they actually have a security kit that they put together with like a bunch of security tools and they had them all listed out and everything. So that may be something that, that you know, they may want to look at as well. Yeah, start with the video because they talk about a bunch of stuff in there and I want you to watch that too so you get an idea of of what, you know, they're talking about and how their lab looks. And you can kind of compare that to the one we have. Okay. Now, one of the things that got me super excited about their presentation is that they have the same issue that that we're both having where, well, in your case, you're not seeing this too much yet, but you will run into this where there's no evil, right? And I talked about my logging lab and I have um, uh, ato- not Atomic Blue Team, but... Um, um, I'm using that deep blue CLI to try and look for evil within the logs, but because there is no evil in the logs, I can't see it. So how do you do that? And they talked about a couple of things. They talked about Atomic Red Team and this other thing called Scythe. And these are tools that are supposed to help you create evil. Now, how do they work? I have no idea because I haven't looked at them yet. But these are things that are on my list of things to to learn so that when we start putting our labs together, especially on the security side, we're able to actually do something with them and we can see whether or not they work because we will have evil, right? So if you have your logs configured, you have Deep Blue CLI, nothing's going to happen. You have to add some evil to that. If you're on the network and you're using things like Wireshark, well, you're not going to necessarily see evil unless evil is actually happening on the network. So you may have to use these tools to hopefully generate that evil so you can start seeing that. And how do you spell the second one? I'll put that in the show notes. Okay, you're going to put it in the show notes. It's all going to be in the show notes. All the details will be in the show notes. 
So that's just super cool. And like I said, all the recommendations they made were super cool. And I may have to watch it again to, to get more information out of it because there's just so much information in their video, in their, in their presentation, that it's kind of hard to just watch it once and, and pull out all the relevant information. Well, that's one of the videos that you have to watch more than once because especially, you know, you're talking about them talking about how to set up the lab and they, they talk about, you know, the engineering part of it and everything. I think that'd be a really valuable tool to really sit down and, uh, you know, look at it. You're not going to get all the information on the first shot. I think the first time, like for me, when I watch a video, the first time is just to see what it's about. And then, um, you know, when I watch it more than once, it's more like, okay, so now that I know what it's about, how are they putting it together? What is it that they're trying to convey? You know, are they conveying the information in a way that is easy to understand, that it actually helps me in certain ways? So, and Black Hills has never disappointed. Oh my gosh, you know, I just, uh, it, they, they're incredible. They, they have an incredible team. And we're not affiliated with them, by the way. We just really enjoy their stuff. Yeah, so let's go ahead and talk about our labs and, and why I want to compare them to the CIS controls. Because one of the issues I'm having is, as we spend all this time and effort trying to do our labs, trying to learn something, the question that I have is, are we going to be able to get something useful out of a lab? You know, if I decide to go do something, it might be fun and interesting but I may never be able to use that in the real world because it's not something that, that I'm going to be able to apply to what I do at work or what I would like to do in the future. And so that's kind of what I'm looking for. Is the lab going to help me with those kinds of things, with work, with future goals? And so if I look at the CIS controls, the CIS controls kind of give me a way to measure some of that. You know, is there something I can do in my labs that applies directly to the CIS controls? But actually, you and I were talking about this when we decided to do our labs. I think what we had in mind was by the end of the year, we wanted to uh, attain a certain amount of skills. So we were going to generate a, generate our labs to that. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Weren't we having a discussion a few shows ago that... I asked you, like, how are we going to document our VMware labs and how are we going to document it? And you're like, yeah, you know, we're going to do that. And, you know, we're going to document the changes. That way we don't step over each other. So isn't that a part of uh, the CIS uh, controls? Because it would be, you know, we would need to say, okay, how many virtual machines do we have? You know, where are they at? What's the subnet? No. So in, in this case, what I'm looking for, there's, there's a couple of things, and this is kind of a, a hard subject to talk about, and you and I are going to have to go back and forth on this. We're going to have to sit down mm. and, and kind of hash out what labs we want to do and why we want to do them. So let's take a look at the first six critical security controls. Um, well, before we do that, there are two kinds of labs that I see us doing. And there may be more kinds, but for now, we're looking at two kinds. The first one is just sort of general skills, Right. You're right, doing, the basics. Right. So you're doing Windows 10, Server 2019. You want to set up a domain, learn more about Windows 10, maybe get the Windows 10 certification. That's, you know, basic skills, right? Correct. And in order for you to do anything with Windows 10, you have to know how to use it. And we'll talk about that in a minute and how that fits in with the critical security controls. But then if you look at the labs that I'm doing, especially the one with Security Onion, 
where does that fit in? You know, am I going to be able to use Security Onion at work? Or am I going to be able to use it immediately in some of the things I want to do in the future, right? Like, is it directly related to something I want to do soon? You know, if it's five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years away, well, maybe I have to think about that. Maybe it's not something I want to put at the top of my list. Maybe I want to push it back a bit. So let's look at the critical security controls. So for the first control, you have um, inventory of hardware. Then we have inventory of software. We have uh, vulnerability management, which we're doing uh, patching for. And then we have um, managing passwords. And it's really admin accounts is what they want you to manage. Right. So those four we're, we're okay with because we have a way of doing that, right? So for hardware... Plus it is, and we're still working in the process, but we do have it. Yeah. So for hardware, we have our JitBit. We have a management tool in there. It does um, inventory management, but you can use a spreadsheet. If you're small, you can use a spreadsheet. Same with software, you can use a spreadsheet. And all you want to do there is track what you have and what the versions are. And then when it comes to vulnerability management, we decided to go with uh, Automox to patch all of our systems to make sure they're up to date. And then for uh, password management, especially for admin accounts, we're using LastPass. So those are the first four. We're okay with that. We're not doing great. There are things we could do better, but we're okay with that. And we're small and we don't have a lot of systems and we don't have a lot of things that are uh, potential um, attacks for hackers or stuff like that. So I think that overall we're doing okay. But what we don't have are the last two, you know, five and six. So five is um, secure configurations. And then six is logging. So where does your lab fit into all of this? How does it relate to the first six controls? Well, once you have an understanding of Windows 10, and then you understand uh, 2019 server, and you understand the relationship that they have, things like Active Directory, how to manage users, going into group policy, what you can then do is you can start looking at secure configurations. Well, because, yeah, like the two-factor authentication, no? Well, that's part of that. But what you can look at are the benchmarks. Okay. And you can start you can start building secure configurations using those benchmarks. And you can start applying those things through Active Directory because that's the only way that you can apply them. So if you look at the benchmarks, you can't do anything with them until you have Active Directory. So now and, there are going to be, and I would have to, and this is something that CBT Nuggets has put out now. Um, some videos on Active Directory. I mean, they go through the whole entire thing of Active Directory because, uh, for me, in order for me to be able to use Active Directory and understand it, I'm going to have to, like you said, learn to configure it to make things more secure. You know, they have the active policies that, you know, you can put groups in it or what have you, you know, the user security, all of that ties into Active Directory. Yeah. Now there are going to be benchmarks for Linux, which doesn't have Active Directory. But if you want to do what most people have, right, Windows 10, Server 2019, uh, you know, anything in a, in a domain environment is going to require you to have at least some understanding of, you know, Active Directory and group policy so that you can apply those settings. So this is a situation where you are going to eventually be able to kind of understand at least some of what's in those benchmarks because you have an understanding of Windows 10 or you will have an understanding of Windows 10, Active Directory, Server 2019, and group policy. So let me ask you something. 
you know, remember when we first started trying to uh, do the patching and we had uh, Sumo and then, you know, we had to do different things for different tools because we had Windows and we had Linux. And now we find we found that Automox takes care of both systems, Windows and Linux. So for Windows, you know, we're talking about Active Directory and I have that to learn that portion of the security thing. What would I have, like, if I have to look at Linux, knowing that Linux doesn't have Active Directory, how would I create a process that goes along the same lines? Like, I'm sure they'll have policies to apply somehow, but how do I go and create a process saying, okay, this is how I do it with Active Directory. How do I do it with Linux? Would it be the same process along the lines using different tools? So that's a whole separate conversation. Okay. So so you and I have to to evaluate these kinds of things and say, okay, with the limited amount of time I have in a day, which labs am I going to focus on and why? And that's what we're trying to accomplish here. It's it's we're at the beginning stages of this because now we have a lab environment that works well. I mean, it's working better than I expected it to. As complicated as it is, it's working out better than I expected it to. But we have to be careful that that we don't go down these rabbit holes of, oh, maybe I want to look at Linux, Windows, uh, you know, security. Onion. No, but we have different systems that are not all Windows. That's where I was coming from. So if we're actually going to apply, you know, number five or number six. Okay, go ahead. So I know where you're going with that. We do have Linux systems. They are on the internet. They are things that we do have to keep secure. But what we have to take into consideration is what's the best thing for me to focus on? And yes, we do have to worry about those. But in your particular case, what is the best thing for you to do? And the best thing for you to do right now is basics. Is basics. Mm-hmm. And focus on Windows 10, focus on 2019 server, and figure out what that relationship looks like. And figure out how to manage those things. Because at the end of the day, uh, while I may know a few more things than you do about Windows 10 and Server 2019, I don't know a whole lot more. And so when it comes to the benchmarks for Windows 10 and creating that secure configuration, I'm not the person to come and see. Because I'm going to have issues trying to put that together myself. And I've said that before, that I recommended we use that in a previous job. And the server person had to come in and, and take a look at that. And and that was the person that had to implement those because while I knew those existed and I knew they were, they were good, I don't know enough about server and Windows 10 to be able to put that together and deploy that. So I may have to have my own little Windows lab. I may have to do some of the things that you're doing with Windows 10, server 2019, and figuring out how to use those benchmarks. So that's kind of where I want to go with some of this. What's the most important thing that we can do and, and what's going to get us the the most, how should I say, get us moving forward the quickest, right? Like what's what's the best thing for us? And the fact that you're going to learn Windows 10 and Server 2019 means that you can go pretty much anywhere and they're going to have Windows 10 and Server 2019. So they're going to look at you and say, hey, you have some skills that we're looking for. Well, and not only that, I mean, you know, we really want to do security. And I think even for me learning the basics, if after I learn, you know, what I need to learn on Windows 10 and get certified, and I can go to someone and say, not only can I do Windows 10, 
but I can make sure that your Windows 10 environment has the first five critical security controls. So, you know, you'll have a, a more secure network. I think that would be pretty valuable, I think. Don't yes, you think? it would. And and now let's go ahead and talk about uh, the critical security control number six, okay. logging, right? This is where things start to get a bit interesting because that's where my Windows logging lab comes into play. You know, what do most people have? They have Windows workstations. What does that mean? They're probably in a domain environment. Where do the logs sit? On the Windows workstation, on the server, and most of the time they're misconfigured. You know, they're not set up the way they should be. And the other thing is, most of the time, people don't look at them. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that? I mean, is it because there's too many logs or people don't understand them or they just don't think to look at them until they actually need to? All of the above. Really? Yeah. And and the issue, I think, for, for a lot of people is that they don't, you know, like you said, they don't know how to use them. They don't know they should be using them. And then what makes it a bit more difficult is that there's a lot in there. And so... Once you start digging into Windows logging, you realize there's a lot more going on in there than than maybe you thought there was. Because when I started my logging lab and I was using those uh, cheat sheets and starting to set up some of the logs on, on server 2019, I began to realize that, whoa, wait a minute here. I didn't know these logs existed. You know, I knew there were a few in here, system logs, application logs. But I didn't know about some of the others that they were telling me, you need to turn these on. Here are some of the settings. Here's where you're supposed to go. I think the hard part would be, how many logs do you have? And where, did, which log do you go to to get uh, specific you know, information that you may need? That, I think that'd be the confusing thing for me. Yes. And so one of the issues that I had when I started the lab is, okay, I'm running Deep Blue CLI against the security logs, and it works. Okay, I, I get nothing out of it because there's nothing in the logs that's evil, but I can type in Deep Blue CLI, a couple of other extra p- bits and pieces in there, and then I can say uh, security. And it actually looks at the live log and, and, and searches it for any evil. But then when you start to look at some of the other logs, uh, it... It, you know, because you have to go in there with the cheat sheet and you start turning these things on and it tells you where to go. And these logs are buried in there. Like you have to do some searching to find out where they're located. And if you have to run Deep Blue CLI against them, the issue that I had was if I run Deep Blue CLI and I put in the log name, nothing seems to happen. Like it doesn't work properly. So what I ended up having to do, and I don't know if this can be done differently, but I had to go look for the log, save the log, you know, export that into a specific file, and then I had to tell Deep Blue CLI, okay, check this specific file. And when it did that, it ran perfectly. Of course, there's nothing there to see because there's no evil, so my report from Deep Blue CLI is pretty much empty. There's nothing in there. But but there's a lot of new things that I'm learning from that experience where there's all these logs in, in Windows I didn't know existed, and you have to turn them on. And then once they're on, you have to know where they're located because you gotta you got to export that so that Deep Blue CLI can analyze the saved file and then tell you if there's anything evil in there. So if you look at some of the things that we're doing, we're beginning to cover those last two items on the critical security controls, you know, five and six. 
And at some point, we are going to be looking at secure configurations. And then we are going to be both looking at logging and things like Deep Blue CLI. But now let's take a look at my Security Onion Lab. It's great. There's lots of cool stuff in there, super fun and interesting. But where does it fit on the first six critical security controls? Security configuration? Doesn't have that. Okay. So most of the tools within Security Onion have to do with the network bits. There's a few things in there that I haven't looked at yet that could relate to logging and sort of detection type stuff, more along the lines of incident response. It would detect something bad happening on a workstation. You would get that notification. I don't know where that fits in the first six. I tend to think of Security Onion as something that fits more with other parts of the critical security controls. Well, I, I guess for me, and again, I don't know Security Onion, so I'm just guessing, uh, you know, as a noob, but um, let's say that you are working, well, you are working security at your job, right? And um, you implement the first five critical or six critical security controls and something happens to the network. You don't think that Security Onion applies to all six because... I mean, and again, I don't know what kind of tools you you have and how security onion is used, but if it's if it's one tool that detects evil from what you're saying, wouldn't it be like you can look at the list of hardware, there is evil. You can look at the the list of software, there is evil. You know, you can look at the vulnerability scan, there is evil. It doesn't work that way. Okay, so explain to me, maybe kind of put it into context, because I don't understand. So Security Onion would look at network traffic. That's, that's one of the big things it will do. It will look at, so you can do things like packet captures. Well, where is that listed in the first six controls? You know, we talk about inventory of hardware, inventory of software, vulnerability management, which for us is going to be patching. Wouldn't it be vulnerability management? Because you would see vulnerabilities happening, No. You're seeing attacks happen, possibly. What you're looking for in vulnerability management is, is a system vulnerable? Not has it been hacked, but okay. is it vulnerable? It's a vulnerable, and this is the CFR, whatever that they have on the a CVE, I'm sorry. Yes. The, the CVE and, and the numbers. Okay. Yeah, I guess, I don't know, but I still think that it would be a really big part of what you do if you're able to identify network issues. It is a big deal if you can implement it properly. So if you're talking to a, to a customer or you're going to go do some security work for an organization that has, let's say, 100 people, are they going to have the necessary tools and time and money and resources to be able to manage something like Security Onion? No, they're not. And they're not going to be able to pay you enough to put in something like Security Onion, unless they are in a super high secret secure environment. I, I was going to say, depending on the importance of the data and how critical it is uh, to maintain that, that data secure, I think at that point, that's where it would apply. No? Well, and those are the things that we have to evaluate, right? You have to make sure. And, and here's the thing that I want people to think about. When it comes to security, sometimes people say, well, just secure everything. Do it all. And they have no idea what that means. And so when we look at these kinds of things that we're trying to do, 
in terms of things that are that are truly effective in security and and doing labs that are really going to have an impact on whether or not an organization is secure or maybe on a on a skill that we have to have like windows 10 you have to evaluate these things and you can't just say well it fits here because i think it does you have to really ask the question does that really fit in that category if it does not don't waste your time trying to force it into that category because you think it's fun and interesting. Fun and interesting is nice, but fun and interesting doesn't always equal results, right? It doesn't mean that you can actually use that in that particular environment. And there are a lot of things that make security super difficult for smaller organizations because they don't have the necessary resources to be able to pay for all of that. So what kind of job do you see someone having to where they, a security onion would be a tool they would need to have to be able to perform their job. So if you were in an environment where, let's say, they had you know, uh, maybe 500 to 1,000 employees, they were all in one building, right? Or for the most part, they were in one building. And security was kind of a focus for them. I would say that security onion might fit in that kind of environment. You're starting to see a need for something along those lines. And the downside to trying to put Security Onion even in an organization that large is do you have the necessary people in place, the necessary resources, the skill set to be able to put Security Onion in that kind of an environment and monitor that? Because you can have it there and nobody looks at it and it's useless. So let me ask you this. What are some of the things that you would need to be, or that you would need to know to maintain security onion? Just give us a, a couple of examples of, you know, things that you would need to know to be able to uh, manage, you know, after, you know, it's installed or it's put in place, you know, how do you maintain that? Well, that's something that I can't really answer yet because I haven't gone through all the training. I don't know enough about Security Onion. And Security Onion is not just one thing. It's like, you know, it could be a hundred different tools that they have in there. And if it, if that's the case, well, you, no one person's going to know all those tools. But there are some basic ones, things like Snort, uh, Squeal is one of them that's in there. Um, there's a bunch of stuff in there that they have as basic tools that you should have turned on, you know, services and things that are monitoring the network and tools you might use for analyzing packets. Maybe they have Wireshark in there and you want to do something with Wireshark. So those are some of the things that, that you might want to take a look at, but then you have to have the necessary skills to do that. Now, some of these things could just be used as alerts and like Snort just sits there and watches the network, but then you have to have the ability to maybe do SSL decrypt because you want Snort to see everything, not just, you know, the unencrypted traffic, which is minor. You know, nowadays, a lot of the traffic is encrypted, especially stuff that's going out to the internet. And so you might want to decrypt all of that so things like Snort can actually see that. And then your other tools are going to have those same issues where it may not see enough for it to be useful. So again, it makes the network more complicated. It makes the whole thing more complicated. And you have to ask yourself, can this organization do these kinds of things or is it too much? So maybe do you think that by um, doing your security onion lab and using some of the tools and learning 
how to apply them and, and how to use them uh, that will give you the answer of where it belongs? Y yes. So I think it's still important for me to finish the labs I have. And, and I have the videos, the basic ones. And once I finish that, there's another batch of videos on how to deploy Security Onion in a production environment. And I'm thinking that that's something I should probably do. But the Windows Logging Lab, I think, takes higher priority. Because, because they, that. more people use Windows, that, you know, that's, that's a skill that if you have, you know you can make it marketable. Yeah, okay. yeah. So we're going to be working on these things. We're going to be looking at our labs. We're going to evaluate them. We're going to try to figure out how to get evil into those labs. Because once you start doing some things with security, you're going to need to have some evil in there so you can see whether or not settings and logging and, and tools are working the way they're supposed to so you can actually see some evil. Uh, but I think that's it for now. Are there any last-minute things you want to uh, say or ask a no, question about? No, I'm actually super excited. Uh, you know, I've been working on my, trying to figure out how to put my lab on. And, you know, it, it's a slow process. But I feel that by the time I get done with a little thing here and there, I feel it's kind of solid. So, and, in, in, you know, the thing that I'm really happy about is that um, when I took my Windows 7 certification, I don't really think that I understood Windows like I kind of feel I do now. Like things are now making sense. You know how when you get into IT at the beginning and, and you know, you, you read something and you understand it, but you really don't understand it from a practical point of view and then you don't know what other questions you may need to ask. Now when I'm getting the material, when I watch a video or when I read something or I do some research or I try to, you know, figure out how to do one thing or another... They talk about things that I actually don't have to look up anymore. I actually understand them, not because um, I'm looking them up again. It's because I looked them up a long time ago and read them. They made no sense then. And now that I'm actually doing the application of, of those things, I'm actually understanding, okay, that's why they said that or that's what it meant. So I'm really excited. Baby steps for me, but, you know, I feel pretty good about it. And now I have another thing to add to it because it's not going to be just about the skills I want to acquire, um, you know, putting it in perspective on how to implement the, the, the critical security controls. I think that's a great idea. And now I have, you know, things are going through my head of, of what I want to do next. So Yeah, so we have a lot to do. I may go back to my Windows 10 and start, you know, another lab on how to use Windows 10, because I need to do that too. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's it for now. If you want to take a look at our show notes, you can go to section9.us. I will have links to some of this information in there. And uh, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. <laughs>